Um, Alexi and Zoe Craig, I guess. Um, welcome to the Roundup Container for the 25th of January 2024 in the Broom Radio. I guess, like, I want to open up by asking how the Pluto Sun ingress into Aquarius went for y'all. It's happened within the last week, around January 21st, depending on where you were in the world. And I guess I'll start by saying that, um, you know, basically Pluto and the Sun were conjunct and transiting my ascendant, which is at two degrees tropical Aquarius. So it's been a very interesting period for me. <laughs> and I would say also in the lead up to the full moon, which is more or less opposite the same point, since those points haven't moved too far. Um, there's been a lot of interesting stuff coming up. I think Anna talked about getting a sense of like collective conflict being coming up for resolution. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hold space for y'all. If you'd like to talk about how this transit's been affecting you. Traffic bodies, what it says, it's been super somatic for me. Gonna unmute in a bit, but wanted to say that as a starter. Mm -hmm. I'm sort of tuning in to see if it makes sense to cover any of the containers which happened in the last week, but feel free to talk about some of what came up. If you feel cold. Oh, it also says still clearing stuff on my crown. I'm going to go to the pins for the roundup channel because I think I pinned a few conversations which felt pretty juicy. Which have been happening in the broom and I'll say the last 24 hours, but also within the last week. There was a conversation about change. And whether people can fundamentally change. There was a conversation about an article by Dan Savage, which talked about various forms of behavior within monogamous relationships, which some people count as cheating, which I think was brought up a lot of really interesting stuff. There's been a conversation which showed up in a thread that I created in a channel that we have called Safety, 
where we have been creating threads relating to various, I'll say like different personas, but also many of them are practitioners. Some of these threads are for different schools um, or modalities of spiritual practice or psychotherapeutic practice. And I'd say like, and I've said this in the past, probably within Roundup containers, but one of my favorite things about um, the safety channel is that many of the people in here in the broom who do tending work or who offer services or containers within the broom have also created threads for themselves um, so that people within the broom and perhaps eventually people who aren't part of the broom or the common members area of the broom, which we call the pot, can also chime in on issues of um, physical and metaphysical safety. I'll say that given that most of us live in places where we have law enforcement officials and law enforcement tends to relate to issues of property and personal physical safety, that probably most of the issues that we'll be dealing with in the channel called safety or in the lineage space that we're calling the stick will probably relate to issues of metaphysical safety and I want to say even like social or parasocial safety. Um, but there was a really interesting discussion which was happening in my safety thread around some assertions which have been made about me and I also responded to those assertions online, in public, and I've responded to the person who made those assertions. And I've also offered to hold space in public containers with the person who made these assertions, but have been rebuffed. Um, even when this invitation was made by somebody who was like a mutual friend of ours, who that person had been directly messaging behind my back to make these assertions about me too. Um, but yeah, I feel like in some ways, like the assertions which are being made about me are kind of like, I would say an appropriate case study for the stick, and I wouldn't say that the case is in any way concluded, but I would love to talk about it with y'all, especially as Pluto and the Sun are transiting my natal ascendant <laughs> on a full moon. Um, but um, yeah, I'd say that some of the assertions which have been made about me are that one, I encouraged the person who's, who goes by the name um, at thewebman.com on Twitter. And the handle, I think, is Disciple of Jupiter, it used to be Disciple of Zeus. Um, one was that I encouraged him to be possessed by, I believe he said, a distorted version of Raphael. 
and what I've said on Twitter about this is that um, I never encourage anybody to be possessed by anybody. What I remember saying to him was that I offered a connection to collaborate with Raphael, which I thought would be cosmically aligned for him. And um, yeah, I guess he took it, but I wouldn't say that it was encouraged. Um, and I would say that hopefully like y'all can back me up on this, but my experience of my own way of moving either in session or in public sessions, which you can also check out because I believe in collaborative refinement and I believe in doing work in public and I believe in, um, yeah, like being held accountable by myself and other self. So you can check out my work on my YouTube channel in a playlist called Dojo. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I would say that my experience of my own work has been that um, I would say like I try to make it as up to people's own discernment as it is possible because I don't feel like it's up to me to really like project upon anybody else's field. Um, secondly, I think in a session that Jack I guess like it's probably fine for me to call him Jack because sometimes he refers to himself in the third person too. Um, but yeah, another assertion that he's made about me is that I have been the quote archon carrier unquote all along. And I think when he said this to me personally and when he said this about me in public online, my response has been that I don't really know what he's trying to say. Um, I guess like what I'll say here is that for me, archons are basically like fundamental belief systems which inform and contour collective consciousness or our consensus reality or our collective matrix of perception. And I would say that all of us carry archons because we perceive reality in veiled and obstructed and partial ways. And what makes the way we perceive reality partial are, yeah, what we might call fundamental belief systems or fundamental building blocks of karma or what I would call outcomes. Um, but I don't think I've received a satisfactory response from Jack on what he means by. Um, quote, Archon Carrier, unquote, when he's referring to me. But I'd love to hear if anybody has any thoughts. Um, and then I think the third thing, which feels like um, I'm called to like mention in this container, is that um, he says that I am possessed by a corrupted oversoul. I mean, I should say, quote, corrupted oversoul, unquote. And, um, yeah, I'd love to know what y'all make of that or what he makes of that. And if any of y'all are not blocked by him, I would encourage you to post the recording to get his response to it 
if it feels aligned for you. Um, heavy underline on the if it feels aligned to you since I've been accused of encouraging things which were not aligned for people, I guess, in certain contexts. Um, and then the last thing that I feel like I've been accused of by not only Jack, but by people who, I guess, like, I would say, hold space for Jack's allegations, um, is that the broom is a cult that I am the leader of that Jack had to escape, which I think is like an interesting assertion for me because I don't feel like he was ever being constrained. <laughs> I don't feel like anybody was ever trying to keep him in the broom. Um, I believe that when he took space, he said that he needed to take space. Um, and I feel like that was received with quite a bit of grace. But um, anyway, I think like the other part of that assertion, which is kind of confusing for me, is like, I don't think I've ever been part of a space which um, has ever like explicitly or implicitly distributed authority um, as rigorously as the broom has. And I guess there's a part of me that understands that embodying a philosophy of distributing authority is still embodying some kind of philosophy. You could say that there is like perhaps an authority around distribution of authority. But um, yeah, I guess like what kind of confuses me about this is that there are plenty of other spiritual communities which I would say for me are much more cult-like where there is much more implicit authority much less democratic authority distribution um, and also where leaders do far less work to hold themselves accountable and in fact probably do a lot of work to avoid accountability but I don't see those places being labeled as cults so um, yeah, there's been some interesting conversation about that and how it relates to my safety as a practitioner. And I guess it felt appropriate to bring it up for me in this container. And I'm just going to hold space and read the chat a little bit. Well, I guess like while I'm waiting for other people to talk, if they want to talk, I'll say that um, if you go to thebroom.us slash safety, um, you can find a document which describes 
the safety principles of the broom. I really hope that that document has been reset so the permissions are like read only. <laughs> um, but we talk about like safety principles that we have been collaboratively defining amongst the tenders of the broom for quite some time now. And we also include a link to a Google form where people can talk about experiences that they've had with spiritual practitioners or non-practitioners even. And um, as it says in the form and the document that links to the form, those submissions go into a lineage space in the broom that we call the stick. And those submissions will be reviewed by people who have volunteered to be safety inspectors, which is a working title, and um, have been nominated as safety inspectors and given the role of safety inspectors so they can view submissions from that form into a channel that we're calling the audit channel. And if anybody would like to submit any safety reports, is what I'll call them now, about me or anybody, like say, Mariam Hasna or the Kohenet Institute or mm, Hanjo Yotaku or Vivid Void or Talamat or Whole Body Prayer or Visa Kev or Malcolm Ocean or Sirocco <laughs> or Ananda Yataku or I want to say Intrepid Bodies or Carla Palomino or Kenneth Hover. Does anybody else have any names that they want to throw in the hat that might be juicy for people to submit safety reports about? Sarah Descending. That's, I literally came off a of mute to say that name. This is Hoda, by the way. <laughs> then yeah, I would highly encourage that. Um, I would love to have the problem of having too many safety reports to go through. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd also love to, I mean, principally, I'm really looking forward to hearing more about safety reports related to me because, you know, this is not just something I say, but I would say that like, you know, my practice is primarily like self-focused. So, like, my first step is always to try and deal with whatever's coming through my field, which doesn't feel aligned, any karmic obstruction or contextual enmeshment, which is ready to be released. And then I release that, and then I move according to what's coming through my field. And often what comes through my field ends up being reflected to me in ways that show me that I have more karma to release. And I feel like that's probably true of everybody 
I would say that not many people I know are more skillful or have more capacity to recognize and release karma, which is being reflected to, to them in their experience than I'd say like myself and other people who tend to broom, but I'd also love to hold space for disagreement with that assertion. It's just my experience. And I would feel, I would say that, yes, the Tao that can be spoken is not the eternal Tao, but in my experience, people who are willing to recognize what you might call contextual enmeshment or karmic obstruction or stuck patterns of behavior, people who are willing to recognize these patterns and to release them tend to be better at holding space for other people's experience and therefore I would say tend to be more safe either as practitioners or as people or beings to hold space with and that's just like my personal definition of safety. Um, I'm explicitly not trying to impose my definition of safety or my praxis of becoming safe on anybody, despite what Disciple of Jupiter might tell you. <laughs> and yeah, I'll just go back to holding space for, for y'all to chime in. Hi. Yeah, I, really, I, I can't disagree with what you're saying. Also, how's my audio? Is it okay? Yeah, your audio is great for me. Okay, just wanted to check. Um, I've, again, been thinking about um, a dynamic that I feel like I've, maybe I haven't spoken about it, like, on this podcast, so I feel like it's worth saying again that um, I feel like there's this way where, like, if you work, like, in the darkness, let's say, as many of us do, like, I feel like there's this way where, like, sometimes people will, like, mistake you for being that yourself when that's not the case. Like, the thing where it's, like, if you're pointing at something, then, like, you be, then, like, sometimes you, like, become the thing to other people. Um, hopefully that makes some sort of sense. <laughs> But it's like, I don't know, I feel like sometimes people kind of like enmesh those contexts. Like, I don't know, I was just thinking about like, it's like Nobu people were talking about like, oh, you like work with, or like you invoke evil spirits. And it's like, well, I mean, you don't invoke them. <laughs> you know, it's like, you might exercise them, but like that's very different than invoking them, you know? To me, anyway. Yeah, I guess what was coming up for me when you said that is just like how, you know, given that we talk about cults in the broom quite a lot, and we talk about like the things that we do to explicitly try to make the broom less cult ish or more cult proof then perhaps like 
because like it kind of re- relates to me about how people say there's no such thing as bad publicity like when you're talking about something you're putting it in people's heads and therefore that's like perhaps why people like start to think like the broom is a cult because we're talking explicitly about making it less cult like all the time mm. yeah i don't think exactly the same thing as what you're saying but i think it kind of speaks to again like i think the same principle can be applied to like you know talking about shadow work and you know being someone who like works with shadow i don't identify as a shadow worker but i feel like perhaps like there's this way in which like being willing to talk about what you're releasing mm-hmm. i'll say like sometimes in the hopes that it kind of like creates space for other people to own some of like their shadow distortions might contribute to a persona which ends up being like more shadowy than it really is just because you're talking about what's no longer part of yourself yeah you know, so people might yeah. get confused and be like oh the things you're talking about are yourself versus being the things which have been exercised from yourself exactly yeah that's a much more i feel like cogent way of saying what i was saying so thank you (laughs) thank you it came directly from my corrupted oversoul um so (laughs) you can thank my corrupted oversoul for that um but i guess like the other thing that comes up is just like um i'll say like shadow around the term exorcism um which you know like for most people probably relates to a film called the exorcist and a little girl like having her head spin around in anatomically improbable ways while vomiting (laughs) um and yeah i'll say like i have only made somebody vomit once um and that was really recent like long after jack quote escaped from my quote cult unquote unquote um and um yeah i mean like even in that film i feel like the exorcist is ridding a little girl with improbable anatomical talents from a negative spirit right i don't know i haven't actually seen that film so perhaps i'm not qualified to call myself an exorcist but um like the exorcist is not the negative spirit itself and like you said i don't think the exorcist is invoking the negative spirit um perhaps provoking the negative spirit um but yeah please correct me if i'm wrong about like the overall geometry of characters in the narrative arc of that film um but yeah i think also like exorcism is a tradition which is still alive in like very large extant religious institutions mm-hmm. um and it's generally associated with like ridding people of possession by negative spirit i feel like the one myth which i can remember where an exorcist is cast as a bad character is um the myth of the dismembering and the remembering of osiris 
where Set, who I believe is Osiris's brother, is described as an exorcist and as uh, creating, I would say, like a disintegrity in the cosmic body of Osiris, where um, Osiris is dismembered and chopped up into, I think, nine different pieces and distributed across the cosmos. And then I believe Isis calls upon Horus to collect those pieces and then puts a spell on them to remember them together. And I'd say like that's like one of the only myths that is coming to mind right now where an exorcist is like a negatively polarized person. Um, but yeah, again, I think there is this sort of like blurring where because exorcists work with negative spirits, they're considered to be negative in character. Um, yeah, so I guess like that's kind of like how I've been like positioning myself in relation to these assertions and I feel like you know with Pluto squaring my natal Pluto at the MC which is conjunct Saturn and conjunct the Sun while it's transiting my ascendant um, it makes sense that I feel like called to put myself up on the block so to speak um, but um, yeah I would love to I would love to like learn more about the metaphysical basis of these assertions and if there is any basis in physical reality for this these assertions which is you know part of why i was saying it makes an interesting case study for the lineage space that we're calling the stick because um you know like when this thread came up a member of the pot and the safety inspector who goes by sai or at Krupilas in the pot and the broom um, was questioning me about these assertions from Jack. He didn't say they were from Jack at the time. Um, and, you know, we had a little bit of a back and forth about it. But then what I kind of came to was like, okay, like, how do you substantiate um, these allegations? And um, I guess like something I've spoken about with other members of the broom with regard to these specific allegations is like how in some ways you could, you could say that there are like three layers, let's say, to like this type of assertion. Like there are like assertions which um, assert events which are purely metaphysical in nature like um or i would say like upper chakra in nature right so like i got the sense that this was happening in some metaphysical realm and then like there's another layer i would say which i would call like emotional which is in some, for me, I would say like a bridge between the physical and the metaphysical because, you know, like on a Western biomedical level, I would say like things happen in the physical realm and then we perceive these things and then we have a metaphysical perception of them. And this metaphysical perception, you could say, is like fueled by and leaves artifacts which could be called hormonal. And that 
is like the hallmark of like emotional events right so like if jack is saying nobu has a corrupted oversoul and he is the archon carrier and i escaped from the cult i would also want to hear like in the second layer like this is how i felt and mm -hmm. how it connects to all of these assertions and then of course like for me like the fundamental way is the physical reality and i'd say like putting all of these things together like maybe one example i'm just gonna like spell it out for jack or anybody who wants to embody jack's assertions about me it's like this thing happened in physical reality and i felt that it related to this metaphysical reality and it made me feel this way and then i feel like we have kind of like a stronger basis for being able to reconcile on what was actually happening in physical reality which i'd say like is maybe like the fundamental layer of reality where we have built habits around interpersonal verification right mm. um so like you know i'd say like one of the assertions that jack made which relates to something that happened in physical reality is that i encouraged him to be possessed by a distorted emanation of Raphael. I believe that's what he said. I'm not looking at it now. Um, and, you know, like what I said is that my recollection is that I offered a connection to collaborate with Raphael, not a distorted version of Raphael, but explicitly a Raphael emanation that was healed outside of time. And I won't go into the metaphysics of that, but mm -hmm. you could see there like, how there's an opportunity to reconcile on the physical plane um and while the container in which i said that to him wasn't recorded i would say that based on recordings of containers i've been where i make similar offerings and also probably like i'm gonna venture like the testimony of people i've worked in in sessions over many many instances i would say like very few people would use the words encouraged to talk about the way that I make offerings to collaborate with Bastard Energies. Um, and I speak, I write about the nature of my offerings on my website, which is at anobuhajimichaan.com, um, in an article called Dana, which talks about the way I make offerings metaphysically, which is to basically leave them very far outside of people's fields, because from my perspective of my lineages, it's not necessary and it's dangerous to go directly into people's subtle anatomies when trying to do energy work, which is not the same as many other practitioners who will proudly talk about going into people's subtle anatomies and doing, quote, energetic surgery, unquote. Mm. which i would say has many of the same risks as doing physical surgery which is that like any impurity in your physical vessel can end up festering in the vessel of the surgery that you know that you're doing surgery in and i would say like any metaphysical impurity that any practitioner has can end up hooking into the subtle anatomy of any person that they're doing energetic surgery with but um yeah i'd say like i have a track record and some of it is available publicly and recorded of making these offerings in ways which are i would say pretty far from 
plausibly being characterized as encouraging um, and often worded very carefully to make clear that I only allow what is for the highest and most healed timeline of the people I'm making offerings to and that I'm making offerings to collaborate with energies which are healed outside of our time, which I would say is often distorted by the presence of Archons. Um, and then I would say that if you look at Jack's track record of um, articulating his experience of things which happened in shared containers, my characterization of my experience of his articulations of his experiences is that his diction is not very precise. He is not necessarily very skilled or high in the capacity to determine what's coming from inside his own field versus what he's perceiving outside his field from within his field. Um, and yeah, I would invite anybody to, um, I guess, like, sit with how the kind of process that I just outlaid from my perspective might relate to reconciling between two people who have differing perspectives of what happened in physical reality. And then I would say that, like, when we're able to talk about how things that we agreed happened in physical reality made us feel, then sometimes tapping into the feeling of how something that happened in physical reality was perceived by us and affected us emotionally can offer us space to look at some of the shadow or the distortions that might go on to inform characterizations that come out as like quote corrupted oversoul unquote or quote escape from a cult unquote because i would say often like if we're not able to talk about how certain things that happen in physical reality made us feel then we can often in my experience bypass um opportunities to see our own shadow reflected in our experience and then jump to um, conclusions about what's happening in metaphysical realities, which I would say are very difficult to interpersonally verify, um, such as some of the assertions that I just quoted. And then finally, I would say that even though I'd say most of our modes of interpersonal verification relate to you know, repeating experiments and then measuring the outcomes of those experiments independently to determine whether the hypotheses which were being tested in those experiments were proved correct or proved to be false. I would say that I'm really excited about the potential of interpersonally verifying our direct neurosis or a direct experience of things that happen in metaphysical realms in ways that can also be said to be independent which is to say like you know i don't think that it would be truly independent if i were to say like do you think that what jack said about nobu 
having a corrupted oversoul is true or not, because you've already seen Jack's testimony. But perhaps if I were to ask like a few different people whether Nobu's like vaster self is corrupted or not, and those people were not talking to one another, um, then perhaps like we might end up with more evidence that what Jack's saying about my oversoul, whatever an oversoul is to him, um, we, perhaps we might end up with more evidence to suggest whether his direct experience is aligned with other people's direct experience. Not to say like his direct experience is true or not, but I think to be like completely accurate to say whether his direct experience is aligned with other people's direct experience and therefore whether his experience of my oversoul is likely to be aligned with other people's experiences of my oversoul. And therefore I feel like we can kind of build a bridge towards determining whether it's safe for people to interact with me based on, yeah, I would say like a record of interpersonal verification of my metaphysical connections. Um, but yeah, I just want to like hold space, see if anybody has anything to say about what I've been channeling. I'm just going to read a little bit. Julie says, what's coming up for me is how, how something that's mystified is more readily weaponized. For example, body literacy. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Do you want to say more about that, Julie? I know we're about to go into tea, but I'm willing to delay tea for this conversation. I also just want to say, like, thank you for laying that all out. Thank you for holding space. Mm -hmm. I like what you were saying about building a bridge between um, the met metaphysical reality and physical reality using like emotional reality mm. yeah i mean i will say that like in my work with jack and this is to be like as rigorous about my own practice as i can um <clears throat> that like over the course of at least three sessions in memory i tried to get him to sit with his feelings somatically and emotionally. And as far as I can tell, that never became a practice that he stuck with. And I would say there are probably many examples of his comportment in the broom where he had opportunities to sit with his emotions, but didn't. And I would say like, you know, if he's listening or if anybody who's listening has the opportunity to speak to him, yeah, I would say like, I feel like there's a lot to tap into there um from my perspective and also i consider it like something that needs to be refined about my work that i wasn't able to hold space for him to process what he was going through emotionally well i mean i think that's fair and also i feel like it's not entirely your responsibility you know mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's also true. But like, I also want to hold space for the possibility that there is like stuff that can change about my practice, so that 
let's say Jack or people who have similar characteristics to Jack might feel more um, incentivized. I won't say the word encouraged since that's kind of like taken on a different meaning in this container, but like incentivized mm-hmm. to work with their emotional material. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to read out what Julie was saying about body literacy. The specific example I was thinking of was pertaining to women's bodies, women's bodies slash people who have wounds, where general menstruation education is purposely mystified or incomplete, uh, lousy to feel out of control and assign authority externally. It's like the mystification process creates pockets of fear. Yeah, I guess like a lot of people who, I'm going to say like my sense is that when people don't know something, it becomes kind of a blank slate for them to project, um, you know, like what shows up in the void for them. And if there's a lot of unresolved fear programming, which is attached to what I'll call trauma or conditioning or rupture, then they're more likely to project fearful things onto things they don't know. And I think like this also relates to kind of like something I've been thinking about with regard to the allegations which have been made against me, not only by Jack, but also by someone called Magris. And yeah, um, I'll say that, I'll say that like, it's come up for me that there is a possibility that my lack of adherence to norms, which could be said to be patriarchal, and white may create also pockets of the unknown for people to project their fears onto. Um, and yeah. I feel like, honestly, I've been um, holding space as you've been sharing your reflections, which I deeply appreciate, um, mostly because I'm like, dang, okay, this is a perfect case study for the stick. Um, Secondly, because I feel like for me as a practitioner, it's reflecting um, stuff. It's reflecting a lot of material back to me about how I'm perceived by the world and um, especially the world of, um, you know, this kind of like network of practitioners we're speaking to. Um, And I guess I'll just kind of identify myself in this context and say that I've like had conversations with some of these people that Nobu is talking about. Um, and I've had done one-on-one sessions with these people. I think one or two of them is actually recorded, but please give me a chance to figure it out before I say that's 100% true. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> it, um, yeah, it brings up for me uh, how um, how important medical metaphysical safety is and how metaphysical safety um, can be doled out i guess you can say or offered to people in different um social pods um in different parts of society i think um through through understanding like metaphysical anatomy altogether and then i'll like go a step further and say that some of the lineages that um that i work with just personally my own practice and that I know just by virtue of having worked with you, Nobu, in practice, um, some of those lineages, like, 
really have like deep and solid foundational frameworks that help people who are either like initiated into those lineages or just by association find themselves learning and being a pupil to those lineages realize that yeah like that foundation is set so that um at least from my perspective what i've learned in my this is that um having such a kind of poignant understanding of what the metaphysical world looks like kind of helps at least for myself personally helps me navigate moments where um what i'm deducing from my physical material reality the aspect of my reality that is connected to my emotional body and what i deduce from um let's say the astros is um has like multiple checkpoints i guess you could say like i have multiple checkpoints built in before um uh, I would make not even just an allegation of, about someone else in their practice, but I think an allegation about reality. And then I also want to say what you shared about like interpersonally verifying gnosis, um, just across either if you're on either end of the spectrum, like a practitioner or a person who's receiving work from a practitioner, maybe you're doing like group work. Um, you know, there's so many ways to do it. I feel like because, um, some of these lineages were kind of through through multiple things, but I'll just say that the act of like marginalizing these lineages sometimes to me um, is kind of like reflects why there's such a gaping hole in other people's lineages, not to like drive a wedge between lineages, but it kind of makes sense why some people see or receive metaphysical information and they get scared like shitless. And then their like um, tendency or their programming causes them to like jump to an example where they were really open and they were experiencing things that were beyond their metaphysical scope. And so for me, it kind of helps color that in um, a little bit, but it also is a schism, you know, like <laughs> it's, it's deeply uncomfortable for me when not only these kinds of things happen to me, but like when I'm witness to it, because I, I'm like, there's a, there is a gap and I can sense that there's a gap between these different cascading gnosises. And I, I feel like, um, I don't know, like today, for example, when I was reading some of the allegations that Sai made in the safety thread, I was just kind of like, wow, like this posture, this like energetic geometry of, like prove me that this real prove to me that this reality is re real at least that's my sense of it was was really difficult because i'm like part of me is like well then why sit in a session with someone well then like why you know do like work with people why like speak speak across different lineages if you know there isn't something to exchange um across different lineages and i know i, f I feel like i'm kind of getting a little vast, but it also, to me, um, it's, it's hard to like see rupture happen amongst people and not see like the metaphysical reality that contributes to um, those ty types of schisms between people. And, and also like, I, I feel like for me as somebody who has had disagreements and also has openly challenged other practitioners um, 
I I would it's I would want to do it with some some verifiable gnosis. Um and to speak to the example of Jack, I think it's difficult to at least for me personally to um want to personally at least just like seek his side of things because well number one I already tried. Um <laughs> and then like number two there also is isn't a like an olive branch you know from him either so it's it's kind of difficult um to for me to kind of like speak to that but it does i think sh- reveal to me like how the neural net of the astral works and i think people love to talk about it when it's like divine and it's synchronous and they're like oh my god i'm you know speaking to the heavens but the imprints that are made by the things that people think, the things that people say, the things that people assume, the things that people accuse other people of, um, just doesn't get that much traction. So I'm just, I'm really glad that we're talking about this. Thanks for that, Hoda. Yeah, I think like something that I brought up in that thread was just like, um, you know, like we're talking about like safety as it relates to practicing with me but I don't feel like it's really possible to... I mean, I feel like it's only fair to also evaluate the safety level of practicing with people who are making these, you know, unsubstantiated claims, I'll call it. Mm. Um, and this was something that I tried to communicate to say that perhaps, like, there is an alternative frame where, as somebody who has had many baseless assumptions, made about me based on my lack of adherence to cultural norms which might be labeled as white and patriarchal um that like perhaps i'm the abused person here because somebody's out there saying things about me without having them ignoring many olive branches even setting some of them on fire um and uh i would say this frame was not only not acknowledged but countered by the restating of a frame where I was the abuser and um, in the lack of acknowledgement of what I was saying and the direct contradiction of what I was saying, I feel like if I was a less resilient practitioner, I might feel gaslit by that. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I know everybody has different communication capacities. I was just tweeting about how Sometimes we can only see that we're standing in front of a mountain if somebody says it to us in Braille. Um, but I also feel like with Sai in particular, I've made many overtures with regard to seeking like different ways of communicating. And I feel like most of those have also been rebuffed. So um, yeah, I'm really grateful for like many of the things that you said. Um, and I think like, you know, part of like the lineage of the stick will be about refining how we investigate safety reports, right? Like if people don't yeah. feel like this is the best way to receive safety reports or deal with them, I'd love to talk to them. I'd love to talk to them in public. I'd love for those discussions to be publicly recorded. Um, first and foremost, for my own refinement, but also for refinement of collective perspectives around what we've been calling safety. Um, I'm going to mute. Yeah, thank you for saying that. And I think for me, I just want to reiterate that if there are um, 
if anybody's like listening to this asynchronously or like anybody who's of course here in the container live has refinements on the the way that safety is as a way or the stick is being rolled out um i think feedback would be super helpful and yeah if there are other ways to do this like please holler um you can dm me definitely um <laughs> i'm at intrepid bodies on all social media but i i think that it's really important for me because i i want to kind of like learn and and exist in a world where conflict and the process of holding people accountable doesn't have to feel and i say this a lot carceral which is a pretty heavy word which means like um and it's something i'm very sensitive about of course as a, a black woman who doesn't adhere to any norms <laughs> just kidding i find some norms fun but it's a um to get back to what i was saying about carceral um accountability i think that it's something i'm very sensitive to and i think that honestly to like go back to this pluto and aquarius transit i think that that's what the cosmos is challenging us with in current time please disagree i know i'm being challenged with it in terms of finding out other ways to um have conversations that restore shared interests even if they don't restore everyone's feelings and um i think it's i i i just think it's radically important for um at least me and my own practice to reimagine not only how to handle conflict but how to handle reconciliation processes which is written about in the document how to remember communal reconciliation processes um and not only for my own practice but i actually feel personally that it's a lot of the times like the thing that i would like to offer to people of course very far outside their field to know that there can be other ways to to do things yeah, yeah. wow thank you so much for no i was just like i was really moved by what you just said hoda um, and yeah, I agree. I would want to invite people into the process of um, developing safety slash the stick as a way. Yeah, I was really moved by what you were saying as well. Um, yeah, and I think in some ways it feels right to like start with myself <laughs> for this process, but I also want to give Ashe to I'll say like what feels like a fact to me which is that many of the practitioners that I was kind of naming in a way which was sort of tongue-in-cheek but also quite earnest which is often like the way I tend to communicate um that yeah I'm very well aware having had interactions with some of these practitioners which I question the safety of that these practitioners are not necessarily creating such accessible ways to be held accountable um and uh, yeah i think like the stick is also from my perspective willing to hold space for accountability processes with practitioners who don't create their own accountability processes that really checks out for me yeah Cool. Well, um, 
I feel like I'm feeling pretty complete in this container. How are y'all feeling? I'm feeling pretty moved and I'm very, very grateful for this conversation. It was, I was super afraid to have it. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I'm glad everything that surfaced surfaced when it did as it did. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. I also feel like, I don't know, like if you're not convinced that like the broom isn't a cult, like, I'm just like, there's a part of me that's like, I don't know, I'm just kind of blown away by the fact that like, we're still here having this conversation. Like you showed up for this conversation when like a mere five hours ago, you were like having this conversation. Sorry, like, I'm just like, I'm still just sort of speechless about it all, to be honest. Yeah, I'd say, um, yeah, I'd love to see some substantiation of claims that the broom is a cult. I think Podrock, um, you know, spoke to his experience and also spoke to the limitations of his experience with the broom, but I think he presented a pretty solid starter, kind of like laundry list for like um, behaviors that he associates with cults having, I think he said, been involved with some cults in the past and you know i think based on what he said he hadn't seen any um examples of the kind of behavior that he had listed as being exemplary of cult-like institutions or organizations so i'm also a little confused but like i said i'm very very curious to find out because having being involved in cult-like dynamics myself, I'd say it feels very much like part of my purpose in current time, at least. Um, yeah, just to explore the terrain of what people associate with cults and to make sure that like any organization that I'm a part of does not lapse into whether like intentionally or unintentionally does not lapse into what might be called cult-like behavior. Cool. Well, thanks y'all for coming to Roundup. Sorry, it went over time. Um, I think we started a little late. So maybe we're about at an hour right now, but I'm going to let Craig know that he can stop recording. I'll say once again that um, you should be able to find us in the Broom Discord from the links which are in the description or the show notes for this episode of the Broom Radio podcast. I'd love to hear from you, like wherever you feel called to contribute or make offerings of refinement or any kind of feedback on what's being shared in this container. And um, yeah, thank you for listening. Peace.